to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, and I'll be your host in this roundup of the past week of fake news. And I want to start today with a verse from the Bible. This is from James chapter 4, verse 17. In that passage of scripture, it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. There's two types of sins that the Bible talks about. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Now, sin of commission is just what we generally think of whenever we talk about sin. It's whenever you do something like uh, steal something or if someone were to kill someone. Those would be sins of commission. It's whenever you go out and you actually do something. You do something wrong physically, outwardly, that everyone can see. There's another type of sin, though, that the Bible tells us about. It's the sin of omission. And a sin of omission is a little bit different. It's whenever you know the right thing to do, you know inside what you're supposed to do, but you don't do it. You hold back. You see someone in need and you withhold yourself from aiding them. That would be a sin of omission. Now, you can't really tell that from the outside. You can't know what someone's thinking about or what's going on in their heart. Sometimes you can catch them in it, but a lot of times this is just something that's, that's internal. That would be considered a sin of omission. Now I want to talk about two types of lying. There can be lying of commission and lying of omission. A, a lie of commission, that's whenever you say something that's untrue, a falsehood. And the media does that plenty. But there's another type of lie that's just as bad. It's called the lie of omission. And that's whenever there is something true, there's something relevant, there's something that people need to know, and yet you withhold that information from them. You tell a story and you withhold important details that really change the way a person perceives the story. You see, whenever you communicate information to someone, say you're telling them something about uh, something that happened, okay? You're trying to tell them a story about something that happened that, that really did happen. Well, you're seeking to inform them by relating a picture of what truly happened to them. You know, you're trying to communicate this idea to them, so you're trying to paint a picture in their mind of how something went down. If you leave out details, you know, you can have good reasons or bad reasons for leaving out details. You know, let's say I'm, I'm telling the story of my son's birth and uh, the doctor had on gray shoes. But when I'm telling people the story, I don't mention that part because that's not a detail that's really relevant. No one really cares what color shoes the doctor had. But then there could be another reason you leave out details in a story. Perhaps you're trying to deceive someone. Okay, perhaps you're trying to paint a picture in their mind that's a false reality that doesn't really depict the honest way that something went down. Maybe you're trying to make yourself look good. So you leave out some of the details that could hurt your reputation as you're telling that story. Uh, it reminds me of this scene in The Office. I want to play a clip from this scene in The Office. In this, in this scene, Michael, played by Steve Carell, and if you've ever seen the show, he's the boss at The Office. And Michael, on his way to work that morning, accidentally hit one of the employees with his car right in the parking lot. And so later on, I guess he takes her to the hospital or whatever, but he, he has to inform the rest of the staff who works in the office with this woman, Meredith, he has to inform them of what happened in the parking lot. Just listen to this for a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some bad news. Meredith was hit by a car. What? Oh, yeah. It happened this morning in the parking lot. I took her to the hospital. 
And the doctors tried to save her life. They did the best that they could. And she is going to be okay. What is wrong with you? Why did she have to phrase it like that? So she's really going to be fine? Yes. She has a slight pelvical fracture, but uh, people have survived far worse. Thank God you were there. Yeah. Did you see who did it? Oh, no need. We can just check the security tapes. Yeah. Kind of a good news, bad news there. I was able to be on the scene so quickly because I was in the car that hit her. Who was driving? Oh, Michael. Now, notice in that clip how hard he was trying to avoid telling the whole truth. He tried to leave out as many details as he could because he didn't want to tell them the exact reality of how what happened in the parking lot went down. So he has to do everything he can to obscure details. And in a sense, he was lying by omission at the start by trying to withhold the whole truth. Well, we withhold the truth sometimes when we tell a story because uh, sometimes our agenda is not the truth. And as I've been saying so far in this show, the media has an agenda and their agenda is not the truth. So today on this program, I wanna talk about how the media lies to you, not just by what they say, but how the media lies by what they don't tell you. Well, we have many, many stories to go through today. It's gonna to be hopefully not a longer program than normal, but we'll see, because so much happened this week, uh, mainly centered around the first part of the week. And uh, I, I'm really excited to do this program. Basically, I signed off last week's program and immediately so much stuff started happening, so much juicy stuff, a lot of it related to the media. And uh, I, I couldn't wait to do another program talking about what's happened in the past seven days. So I got seven, seven stories for you today, and they all kind of relate to this idea of what the media doesn't tell you. So I got seven news items for you today. And then at the end, I'll try to do a beyond the headline. And then also I wanna do a little bit of political ana analysis because we did have an election in the country this week, not a major election, um, just stuff that went down in a few different states. So I'd like to give a little bit of analysis about that before signing off. But first thing I wanna talk about today, I'm not gonna belabor it anymore because I got so much to get to. First thing I wanna talk about is this event that happened last weekend in the governor's race in Virginia. We're gonna be talking a lot about that race today because there was a lot of fake news in the past week just around that race. But uh, in, the, in the governor's election over in Virginia, you had Democrat Terry McAuliffe who was running. I believe he had been governor there before. He was like chairman of the DNC. So this was a big wig in the Democratic Party. He had brought in Barack Obama to campaign for him. He had brought in President Joe Biden to campaign for him. He brought in Kamala Harris to campaign for him. He brought in Stacey Abrams to campaign for him, and it all ended up falling flat. He did lose his election this week. And a newcomer, uh, Glenn Youngkin, over there in Virginia, he ended up winning on the Republican ticket, a state that Joe Biden won by 10 points last year. Youngkin ended up taking that state by three or four points. So he did, did very well. Republicans as a whole did very well this week. So there was a lot of fake news going on around that election. So I just gave you kind of the overview of the election. The first piece of news, though, I want to talk about is what happened in Virginia. Um, last weekend, a group of Democrats decided to, they wanted to paint Glenn Youngkin as a white supremacist. And he's not a white supremacist, so this was very hard for them to do. They couldn't do it, obviously, by, by telling the truth about anything. They had to stage an event 
in order to communicate this idea to the public that Glenn Youngkin is a white supremacist. So they had a group of, um, well, not literal white supremacists because they were faking it, but they had a group of white supremacists who were all these Democrats in disguise, um, a group of white supremacists in sunglasses, khaki pants, holding tiki torches. I guess that's some kind of white supremacist uniform. I don't know. They had them all stand outside of Glenn Youngkin's bus at one of his campaign stops. They had a few members of the media take pictures of this small group of Democratic operatives in disguise as white supremacists. They had them take some pictures over at Glenn Youngkin's campaign stop. And then the picture started circulating in the in the social media sphere. Reporters, uh, Democratic politicians and their workers are, are sharing these pictures of white supremacists at a Glenn Youngkin rally because they wanted to paint this picture in the public's eye that Glenn Youngkin is a white supremacist. Even some reporters in the media had started to share this information around and share this image. Well, as it as it come to find out, people looked at the pictures carefully and they looked up, they were able to figure out who these people were and turned out they were all Democrats. They were all Democratic interns or staffers of the campaign over there. And they were, but all, all the people who were in the little, the little white supremacist rally, they were all Democrats. And this was all a false flag operation. The definition of election disinformation being perpetrated by the Democratic Party. So this was absolutely, by definition, election disinformation. It was a, it was a stunt to try to make the Republican look like a white supremacist. And so this all ended up coming out that, the, that these were all Democrats who were who were wearing these clothes, a group of um, anti-Trump Republicans called the Lincoln Project. And this was a group of, they, they claim to be Republicans, even though they just try to get Democrats elected, but they claim to be Republicans. They claim they just really hated Donald Trump. So they tried to get him um, not reelected last year. They put out a lot of information trying to stop him from being reelected. And they said, but we're still Republicans, but but basically they just go around trying to get Democrats elected. That's all the Lincoln Project ever seems to do. So the Lincoln Project claimed that they were responsible for this, this false flag operation that blew up in their faces. They claimed that it was they were the ones putting it on. They claimed that they were the ones who organized this white supremacy rally. And uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe they're just trying to take the fall for the Democrats. I will say this, though. Every, every person out there in the outfit... None of them were Lincoln Project people. They were all Democrats out there wearing those clothes. They were all Democratic staffers and interns. So anyway, Lincoln Project tried to take the fall. Um, so over in The Guardian, here's your first fake news headline of the week, is over here in The, in the Guardian, which um, I think they have a United States version of their, of their news information. I think they're based over in the UK, but they have a United States side too. They report on a lot of stuff about the United States. And, and they ran a headline that said, Lincoln Project members pose as white supremacists at Virginia GOP event. Now, that headline right there, that is actually false. They were not Lincoln Project members. I guess you could say it depends how you define a Lincoln Project member, but the Lincoln Project claims to be anti-Trump Republicans. Uh, however, all the people, like I said, all the people wearing these outfits, they were all Democrats. So these were Democrats posing as white supremacists. The news media does not want to tell you the truth that it was all Democrats wearing white supremacist outfits. <laughs> they don't, that would be the actual truth. They won't say that. So they say it's Lincoln Project members. Well, it wasn't Lincoln Project members. Um, they, they were just trying to obscure the fact that it was Democrats 
dressed up as white supremacists, you know, which is very interesting to me. Because obviously, if it had been Republicans dressed up as white supremacists, that would be the top news headline everywhere. But Guardian actually, th this isn't obscuring the truth or a lie by omission here. They actually outright lie, a lie of commission. They say it was Lincoln Project members. So that was just a flat out lie. But here's where I would say the media as a whole lied by omission. Once the Democrats got caught in this white supremacy rally stunt, once they got caught and it was exposed for a falsehood, the media did not even touch this story with a 10-foot pole. They did not report on it. I mean, Fox reported on it. Some conservative media sources reported on it. And, and of course, The Guardian here, which is not based in America, they reported on it in a false way, but they reported on it. But places um, that are state, stateside, stateside mainstream media did not want to touch this story because it obviously made the Democrats look really, really embarrassed. Now, if this had been Republicans doing a false flag operation at a Democrat campaign stop, it would be top news. I mean, it was already starting to be reported whenever they thought it was a true story, <laughs> that it was true Republicans out there. They were already starting to report that. But whenever it's Democrats doing a white supremacy rally, and whenever it turns out to be a hoax, well, now the media is not going to touch it because they don't, they don't want to say anything that would make the Democrats look bad. And so it's just an example right there of how they lie by what they don't tell you. They lie by what they don't tell you just as much as how they lie by what they do tell you. Um, and speaking of The Guardian, I'm just going to throw this in here. It's not about Virginia, but speaking of The Guardian, uh, Candace Owens this week threatened to sue them because they ran a false headline about her. But she made a, a joke about uh, invading Australia, and The Guardian reported that as if she was actually claiming that America is supposed to invade Australia. So they were... They, they ran fake news on her. She threatened to sue them, and they backed down and changed their headline. So good for her for fighting back against them. Um, so, But The Guardian, they're, they're fake news. And it just kind of goes back to this whole thing of how the media is willing to lie either by commission or omission. They're totally willing to lie in order to paint Republicans as racists. And, and now that racist has been so overused, it's not even a real powerful attack anymore because people just kind of tune it out. It's become so overblown to call everything racist. Now they, they have to escalate it a little bit to try to get attention. So now they claim everything is white supremacist, not just racist, but it's white supremacist. Cause I guess that sounds newer and scarier. So a few years ago, they switched it to call everything white supremacist or Nazi, neo-Nazi, you know, stuff like that. So um, it's, it's just, it's just kind of related to all that this week. Also uh, Ted Cruz was grilling Merrick Garland, uh, who's our attorney general in the United States, he was grilling Merrick Garland over at, a, I think it was like a Senate committee hearing. And it was about this whole issue, which is something very important to the Virginia race, of parents going to school board meetings and how recently the Department of Justice and the, and the FBI were starting to label these parents as domestic terrorists because they go to these school board meetings and really get fired up and really let the school boards have it for some of uh, the harmful ideology that they're trying to indoctrinate children with uh, that, that, that these school boarders are responsible for. So parents are going to these meetings and getting fired up and really letting the school boards have it. And uh, so um, Ted Cruz was grilling Merrick Garland about all this and how he had tried to get parents labeled as domestic terrorists to try to intimidate them from going to school board meetings anymore. So he's grilling them about it. And 
he made a reference to the fact that some of these parents that at one of the board meetings they were doing, they did a Nazi salute. Now this was not the parents claiming to be Nazis. They were mocking the school board by saying the school board was acting like Nazis. So it wasn't the parents pledging some kind of allegiance or trying to act like white supremacist Nazi hooligans. They weren't trying to do that. They were they were trying to say that's what the school board was being like. The school board was being so authoritarian that they were acting like Nazis. That's what the parents were trying to say. Ted Cruz made a mention of this, made a mention of it, that it is their First Amendment right to, to mock the school board in that way. Um, so that's all Ted Cruz was getting at. Well, anyway, the this is how the media reported on it. Let me start with Huffington Post. Senator Ted Cruz defends parents who gave a Nazi salute at a board meeting. Well, okay, from that headline by itself, it sounds like Ted Cruz is defending Nazi salutes in general as like he's pro-Nazi. That's how they tried to frame it with that headline, that he's defending parents who gave Nazi salutes. Well, what's not clear just from the headline alone is that the parents were not trying to be Nazis, like I said. They were just mocking the school board because they said the school board was acting like Nazis. So it wasn't parents who were like trying to be pro-Nazi or anything like that. Well, that and, and hey, they could have written this headline in a different way that wasn't deceptive like that. It shouldn't even really have been a headline. It was just Ted Cruz mentioning the fact that they do have a First Amendment right to mock the school board. You know, that, that's all that Ted Cruz was actually doing. That really shouldn't even be a headline by itself. But Huffington Post lies. Daily Beast puts out Ted Cruz defends parents doing Nazi salutes at school board meetings. Vox reported Ted Cruz defends Nazi salutes at school board meetings. And of course, uh, Aaron Rupar, uh, he's a known liar for a long time. I mean, he he put out Ted Cruz defends Nazi salutes at school board meetings. But, but same headline as what those other places are doing. Ilhan Omar, radical in the Democratic Party, a politician, posts Ted Cruz casually defending Nazis in a congressional hearing. Now, I only mention her. She's a politician, but why do I mention her? Just to say, this Democrat politician, who's a far-left radical, I mean, one of the most far-left radical people in the whole Democrat Party, basically the same terminology that she uses to lie about this event is the same terminology that a bunch of media sources will use to lie about the, the same event. They use all the same vocabulary. They frame it in exactly the same dishonest way because there's no difference in the news media and the Democrat Party. That's all. I'm, that's really kind of what I'm getting at there. The way that a politician would frame it in a dishonest way to try to make her opponent look bad is the exact same dishonest way that the news media will report that same event because they're all on the same side and they're all lying in the same way. A lie by omission. Because there's a lot of important information left out of that headline, but it's only meant there to vilify and demonize Ted Cruz because he's a Republican. So... They lie just as much by what they don't tell you as they do by what they do tell you. Now, back to Virginia. Back to Virginia, okay? So they had already gotten caught in one white supremacy hoax over there in Virginia in reporting on this race. Then there was another one a few days later. And I, this one is not proven as a hoax. It's just incredibly obvious that it was a hoax. There's this guy who went to one of the, the Glenn Youngkin campaign speeches. And this was like Sunday or Monday. Let me see. It was November 1st. So that would have been Monday. Okay, so Monday, he's going to one of Glenn Youngkin's last campaign speeches, like the last night of the campaign. And this guy in a cowboy hat and wearing a jacket with a Confederate flag on the back of it. And it was all like brand new, brand new patch, brand new jacket. Very obvious. 
It's like he had just broke it out for that night. He goes and attends this Glenn Youngkin campaign rally with his Confederate flag shining brightly on the back of his, it's because it's brand new, it's all shiny, brightly on the back of his jacket. And this guy, now here's why I say this is a hoax. Because obviously the Confederate flag is associated with the Confederacy of the 1800s and they were all pro-slavery. That's the Civil War and all that, obviously. So they're trying to say, you know, if you have a Confederate flag today, they associate that with white supremacy. And then this guy has a Confederate flag sewn on the back of his jacket. He goes and stands right in front of the cameras. And there's video of this guy from the side. Someone had a video of this whole thing. He goes and stands right in front of the cameras so that they can all get a picture of his Confederate flag. And then he acts like he's trying to get a better look. But he doesn't move forward in the crowd. He doesn't push forward. He goes over to the left and stands in front of some more cameras. Stands there for a while and lets, lets him take his picture. And then he keeps acting like he's trying to get a better look. So he moves over somewhere else, but still stays at the very back, right between the crowd and the cameras. So he's always standing right in view of the cameras. And so several different news stations <laughs> picked this up. Uh, a journalist named Gary Grumbach over at NBC was sharing a picture of this guy. And then another one, Zachary Patrizo from Salon shares a picture of this guy. WUSA in DC, reporter Mike Valerio shares a different image of this guy. You know, all these different news sources all got different shots of this guy wearing the the Confederate flag jacket. And that was, of course, the picture they put out to say, look at Glenn Youngkin's last night. Out of the whole crowd, it's this one guy who has Confederate flag imagery on, and he stands right in front of the cameras, and they all get all these shots of him. No one goes up and asks him his name. No one tries to find out who he is, what he's there for, any of that. Nope, just some random guy that's featured as the prominent guy in all of the Glenn Youngkin photos because... The last night of his campaign, what did the media want to do? They really want to drive home this message of how Glenn Youngkin is a white supremacist and look at the white supremacists who come to visit his rallies. It's all a deception. Yes, this guy was there. I think he I think he was a plant, you know, either of the Democrats or, or of the media, which they're all the same. I think he was a plant. But anyway, this one was not proven as a hoax. But here's how the media covered it. They all took pictures just of this guy and made this guy the focal point of that night. That's what they wanted to do. Remember what I was saying at the beginning by whenever you, you want to communicate a story to someone, you want to communicate information, you want to tell them how something went down, which is what a journalist's job is to do. You're supposed to paint a picture in the person's mind of what the thing was like. You know, if there was a, a car crash, you want to be descriptive in your terms and you want to tell everybody what happened at this car crash you can leave out irrelevant details like maybe what kind of tires the cars had or something you know that's not relevant so you don't need to include that but anything that is relevant to the story you want to make sure you include those details you don't pick obscure things and try to make them seem as if they were the most important part of the story so at this rally you can see pictures of the whole crowd and there's not people wearing confederate flag imagery like that wouldn't be an, yes, there was a guy there wearing, it might've been a hoax, but there was a guy there wearing that jacket. But that doesn't mean he's representative of the crowd as a whole. I mean, by he's literally not, if you look at, um, there's a video of this guy moving through the crowd, moving on the outskirts of the crowd, trying to get his picture taken. You know, there's video of him. If you see the whole crowd, 
there's not that's not how people there were normally dressed and it wouldn't be representative of glenn youngkin's base who was there cheering him on at this rally that wouldn't be representative but the media doesn't want to represent the truth to you they want to pick out one guy and they want to make him the focal point because they think that would make glenn youngkin look bad it's all about painting republicans in general as racist white supremacists blah 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 i mean that's that's what it all goes back to all the time their agenda is not the truth they will focus on the one guy that they think will sell this narrative that they're trying to craft and they're totally going to ignore everyone else all the good decent people that are there in that crowd won't talk to any of them they just want to focus on this one guy and make him the focal point they lie just as much by what they don't tell you as they do by what they do tell you and they did have a meltdown because like i said yunkin won in virginia won by a few percentage points in a state that Biden won big last year. And so they freaked out. They, Of course, they blamed racism. They blamed white supremacy. They said, oh, well, Virginia is just a racist state now. Van Jones over at CNN, he said, Glenn Youngkin is the Delta variant and Trumpism was the, you know, Trump was the COVID. Glenn Youngkin is the Delta variant. <laughs> Same disease, he said, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. They just have these ridiculous attacks. It all goes back to racism for them. And... Uh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna have some more thoughts about that at the end, about how they try to connect everything to Trump. Let's save that for the political analysis at the end. I spend a lot of time on that first story, like I, t like I tend to do. I want to spend extra long time on that first story, because it's usually something representative of the week as a whole. Let me tell you a little bit more, uh, some more fake news from the week, and this one's again from the Virginia midterm, um, or not the Virginia midterm, the uh, the Virginia governor race that they had this past week. I just want to mention this too. I actually had a pretty good idea that Glenn Youngkin was going to win. I wasn't really sure if he was going to pull it off, but I had a pretty good idea that he would win on Monday, and here's why. Uh, Nicholas Fondacaro, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember where, uh, Newsbusters, Newsbusters put this out, that on the eve of the gubernatorial race in Virginia, which is a very big deal because Virginia was swinging to the right and it was normally a very left-wing state. It was swinging to the right, it seemed. That was a big deal. It's understood to be a preview of how the 2022 midterms are going to go next year. So this was a very big deal. On Monday night, ABC's World News Tonight, the CBS Evening News, and the NBC Nightly News, they all ignored it. They did not want to talk about it. Whenever I saw that they didn't want to talk about it, that gave me a good indication that that meant they thought the Republican was going to win. Maybe some of their polling showed that this Republican had it in the bag. And of course, that turned out to be true. So you can go look at our, we have a Twitter feed for fake news. It's called at Fake News Weekly on Twitter. And I put out a prediction with this on Monday. I said, well, this shows that Glenn Youngkin is probably going to win tomorrow because the liberal media did not even want to cover this big race the night before it happened. And it's not like there's a whole bunch of other big stuff going on that night. They just didn't want to talk about it. It was the day before election day, the ABC World News Tonight, CBS Evening News, and the NBC Nightly News, since they thought their Democrat was not going to win it, they just decided to ignore it entirely. They lied just as much by what they don't tell you as they do by what they do tell you. And, and, and the, the, like I said, this program that I'm doing right here, this is supposed to help you learn how to interpret the news. So when you see ABC, NBC, CBS, when you see them all trying to not talk about something, that tells you it's something that would make the Republicans look good. That's why they don't want to talk about it. So always pay attention to what they don't tell you. Again, 
um, they're wanting to paint that Virginia race as white supremacy, okay? Well, it wasn't just the, um, it was two white guys running for governor, so that was stupid to begin with. The, the current Democrat governor, which was Ralph Northam, who has, I guess he term limited out, but that Virginia governor, Ralph Northam, he's the one who dressed up in like KKK hoods years ago. And those videos or photos came out. And he would, you know, he just stayed in office. He didn't even leave. So the Democrat before was literally someone who used to dress up as a KKK member. Maybe he did it as a joke, but still, th this was the Democrat who used to literally dress up as a Klansman. And the Republican is running to fill his spot. And they say the Republican was the white supremacist. So anyway, it was, a, it was Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin, two white guys. They say, of course, the Republican was white supremacist. The Republican lieutenant governor who also won, it was a black woman. The Republican attorney general for that state who also won that night is, is a Cuban American. So it was the, the top three people over there in Virginia now, the top three, all Republicans. It is a white guy. It's also a black woman and a Latino. Um, all three of them are now the top three over there at Virginia. So the media is trying to say it's white supremacy. <laughs> of course they do. And out of all the major networks, Fox was the only one that carried the victory speech from the first black woman elected statewide to office in Virginia history, which was winsome sears so congratulations to her and i'm sorry only fox was willing to carry your campaign speech but um also usa today they ran a report on candidates of color who won historic elections on tuesday they did not mention winsome sears who who won for lieutenant governor over there um that's just sickening you know that's just disrespectful to her and I'm not personally, I'm not someone who thinks we in 2021 that we still need to be running news reports about the races of all the people who won in races across the country. I don't even think that's something that should be important. I'm just saying it's pretty disrespectful and sick that USA, USA Today would not even mention her or Jason Mayares, the guy who was the, the Cuban-American who won over there, didn't mention either of them when talking about candidates of color who won this week. Just totally snubbed him. Pretty sickening. All right, um, here's the, let's get away from Virginia now, at least for a while. Let's get away from it for a while. I want to talk about something else. Uh, here's our third headline for this week. <laughs> here's the third thing I want to talk about, how the media lies by what they don't tell you just as much as how they lie from what they do tell you. Third thing this week is that our president is just not mentally there. <laughs> Joe Biden is just, he's not mentally there, sad to say. Um, he can't, he's overdoing, he's at some climate summit, I guess they call it. He's at a climate summit out there in Europe somewhere. And he was, oh, Rome is where he is. Oh, because he did meet the Pope. We might mention that later. He met the Pope this past week. So anyway, he's at this climate meeting going on over there in Rome. He's doing a press conference and he gets up there and he says, well, I'm told I should start with the Associated Press. <laughs> You know, the guy turned 79 years old this month and he gets up at, so he does this a lot. He gets up in front of reporters and he starts reading off who he's been told he's supposed to, to call on. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't think for himself. He just lets his, his press secretary or whoever come out and tell him who he's allowed to talk to and who he shouldn't call on. And I'm sure that that's probably gone on with lots of presidents in the past, in the past, but with Joe Biden, 
he just outright says it. Like, you're not supposed to just say that part out loud. <laughs> but he just comes out and just kind of shows everyone he's not in control of his own, um, who, he, who he even talks to. Apparently, that's not even up to him. He, supposedly, he's the most powerful man in the country, perhaps the world, the president of the United States. But he doesn't even decide who he talks to. Someone else has to give him a list of who he's allowed to talk to. So it's here's what here's the thing. The media doesn't report on that. Some conservative media will, but I mean the mainstream media, they won't report on this fact that he's totally not with it mentally. You know, a lot of people say does he have dementia or something like that? And I'm not I'm not claiming a specific thing that's going on with him. I'm just saying when you listen to him talk, when you look at how he has to stop and close his eyes and think so hard about facts and figures that just come naturally to most people, you can just tell that mentally he's just really not competent enough to communicate what he's trying to talk about a lot of the time. I mean, this is just blatantly obvious. There's been some news stories lately about how low his his uh, approval rating is. Right now, in the eyes of the American public, his approval rating is is really low and how it's dropped basically faster than, than any other president since World War II how quickly his approval rating has dropped from where it was. It's like 11 points lower right now than it was at the start of the year. And they'll say it's he has the lowest approval rating of any president at this point in their presidency, except for Donald Trump. They'll always say, but Donald Trump's was lower. But Joe Biden, so he has the lowest, except for Donald Trump. Okay, but also let's remember at this point in Donald Trump's presidency, the whole media apparatus and the whole Democrat party was trying to claim that Donald Trump was a Russian spy. At this point in Donald Trump's presidency in his first year, in the second year too, and part of the third year, everyone in the media is trying to claim that Donald Trump was a Russian spy. Right now, during Joe Biden's administration, everyone in the media is trying to claim that he's sane. <laughs> they're trying to claim that he's mentally competent. And they're trying to pretend that he is, when if you just actually watch him with your own eyes, it's just beyond obvious to anyone who's paying attention that he's not. So if the media actually told the truth, if they told the truth about Biden with the fervency that they told lies about Donald Trump, his approval rating would be even lower than it is. It would be lower than Trump's without a doubt. But the American media will not talk about how what a mental fog Joe Biden walks around in. I'm going to play a clip from some some Sky News reporters. Okay, so these are reporters at Sky News in Australia. I'm gonna play a clip from them. Here's how other media in other parts of the world, in over in Australia, here's how they're talking about Joe Biden. It's gonna start with a clip from Joe Biden in a recent one of his speeches that where he's totally just speaking incoherently. As happens weekly, on a weekly basis, he has some new incoherent gibberish that comes out as one of you know the great presidential quotes that'll go down in American history. You'll hear, listen to this one, and then listen to how they were talking about it over in Australia. No little expression, time is money. As one computer said, if you're on the train and they say Portal Bridge, you know you better make other plans. Uh, let's, let's go over what he just said there. Let's just not ignore that. Let's go over it. As one computer said, if you're on the train and they say Portal Bridge, you know you better make other plans. <laughs> I've got nothing. Okay, let's, let's let's leave that to one side and see what else the president said this week. 
In fact, we're taking a page from Terry's book when he was governor and when he'd be governor next time. We're emerging from this pandemic. We want to expand pre-K for three- and four-year-olds, millions of pre-K This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup, not access to the nuclear codes. <laughs> so this is, this is how foreign media looks at our country right now. This is what the rest of the world sees. Why don't our own American citizens see it? Why do 42% of Americans, supposedly, why do 42%, why are they not able to see this? The media lies just as much by what they don't tell you as they do by what they do tell you. All right, item number four today. I just wanna talk quickly about Florida because if you can remember all the way back to a few months ago, constantly in the news, there was all this talk about Ron DeSantis and how he's killing a bunch of people in Florida. You know, that was just news all over the place. Not very long ago, just two or three months ago. Really what was going on, COVID was having a spike over in Florida, as it has had spikes in virtually every state of the whole country, all through the whole process of this pandemic. There have been spikes here and spikes there. Here in Missouri, we've had a couple of times where it was really thick, and then it died down, and then it got really thick again, and then it died down. And I don't know how long these waves of COVID are going to just kind of come through every, you know, once or twice a year. I don't know how long all this is going to go on. But it seems that the, for now, this is the reality that we have to deal with. Apparently, every once in a while, you're going to see a wave of COVID come through your area. A few months ago, Ron DeSantis had a wave of COVID come through Florida. Not anything irregular from what the rest of the country sees on a regular basis. In fact, I kept checking the case rate in Florida throughout the time he was having a spike over there. I, the highest I ever saw him, and I'm it could have got higher at some point, but the highest I ever saw it going in Florida was that he was doing... He was the 10th worst state in the nation at the, you know, as far as case rates go, but which means they look at how many people in your state. Um, some states have higher populations than others. So it's not always fair to compare numbers, but they look at the case rate, like per 100,000 people, how many people are getting from getting COVID or dying from COVID. And they compare the case rate to make it more of a fair analysis. And the worst I ever saw for Florida is that they got the 10th worst out of all the 50 states in the nation. They got the 10th worst um, for a time. Then the COVID wave died down. Before the COVID wave died down, I mean, every day in the news, it's all this stuff about how Ron DeSantis is mishandling this pandemic so much and getting people killed. You know, that was just, that was major news for a while. And then as, as is usual, the case rate died down. Okay. Currently, Ron DeSantis has the lowest case rate of all 50 states in the nation. Right now, Ron DeSantis is doing better than the 49 other states as far as how Florida is handling the pandemic compared to the other states, which I don't think governorships, I don't think they have that much control over it anyway. I mean, I, I'm just kind of using, to, frankly, I'm using kind of the, how the media frames it, that it's always the responsibility of whoever the governor of the state is to say how the state's doing. I don't think it's all in the governor's hands anyway. But the whole time that that Florida had that spike, they were talking about, they were saying Ron Death Santis. <laughs> they were trying to, trying to make him look as like he's just the worst governor in America, even though there were a lot of other states that they were just ignoring that had worse case rates than Florida. They could have been, why weren't they talking about the other nine? Why were they just focusing on Ron DeSantis during that time? I didn't, you know, I didn't understand that, except, except this. Ron DeSantis is considered a major contender to run for president 
in 2024. He's kind of Trumpian in the way that he just fights back against the media and in a lot of his pro-freedom policies, he's kind of Trumpian in that way. And yet he's a lot more dangerous of a candidate for Democrats because he's much more articulate than Trump ever was. And so, and he's had a lot of success in the way he's handled the pandemic. I mean, Florida has done really well as far as states go in general. So of course, when he had this spike a few months ago, he was all over the news about what a terrible job Ron DeSantis is supposedly doing. And then now today, the past few weeks when he's had the lowest case rate in the nation, you, you hear crickets from the media. Why is that? Well, because <laughs> they won't report something that makes a Republican look good. They only want to dogpile on him when they can make it look bad. Because the media lies just as much by what they don't tell you as they do by what they do tell you. But you can bet your bottom dollar, once they stop talking about Ron DeSantis, go look at that case rate over in Florida. It's probably doing pretty good. Uh, here's a fifth news item. Going to keep this one real short. It, it's actually about that climate summit that I was talking about over going on over where, where Biden is in Europe. I think it's called the G20. I'm not sure. Um, over that climate summit. Just pointing out here. Just pointing out. There's this picture, the video that was taken of all the, all the world leaders. And when it's time for photo ops, they all slap their masks on their faces. And then as soon as the photos are done, they take all their masks off. They just use them for the photos. And then when they're roaming around talking to each other and doing their speeches and, and going back and forth, just having conversation, they don't wear the masks. But when it's time to take a picture, they go put them on their face. You know, and this, this, has, been, this has been all through the pandemic. We've seen the political elites flaunt the rules that they, that they try to put on everyone else, uh, especially in regards to masking and social distancing. Whenever, whenever they want to go talk to someone, they consider it fine to go without a mask and, and all that, blah, blah, blah. When it was Barack Obama's birthday party a few months ago, which seemed to have a lot of actually COVID cases right after that, by the way. But when it was his birthday party here a few months ago, and some people in the media shared some, like there were some pictures that leaked out from that. Everyone's going around without a mask because except for the servants, you know, the workers, the workers all have to wear masks, but all the, the fancy politicians going around in their rich clothes, the elites, none of them have to mask up. So I'm just, I'm just pointing this out. I think that's a major story. That's a major scandal that politicians put rules on people, but they will not follow those rules themselves. I'm not saying anything about the, the efficacy of masks right now. I'm not saying they work or that they don't work. All I'm saying is that these politicians make rules for everyone else. They make rules for the person bringing them a new glass of wine or serving them an hors d'oeuvre, but they don't follow those rules themselves. You ever notice that? I think that's a major story. If the media, if the media cared about holding the elites accountable, they would be reporting on that. But they don't. They lie by what they don't tell you just as much as they lie by what they do tell you. Sixth item today. I think this one itself probably did not happen, okay? You might have seen that President Poopy Pants was trending on Twitter last weekend. Or maybe Poopy Pants Biden or hashtag Poopgate. What was that all about? Okay, some of you are not going to like this, but I, I think this actually did not happen. But there were rumors circulating around that when Joe Biden met with the Pope over the weekend that there was an, a bathroom issue and that he had a had an accident in his pants okay i'm not claiming that that happened i've kind of tried to look into where these rumors came from and i see no credible source anywhere for
support these rumors. So I'm saying this is likely fake news. I know maybe some of you don't want to hear that, but uh, all this stuff about President Poopy Pants, all that, I probably not true. Okay, probably not. So I'm not claiming that that's true. I just want to point something out. Um, if it had been Trump that these rumors were going around about, this would have been all over the news media, CNN, NBC. They would have been talking about it if Poopgate was trending on Twitter whenever Trump was president. <laughs> just pointing that out, okay? Um, it's not. It's likely not true. It's likely not true. I'm just saying if we had a different president right now, the media would be whistling a much different story about it. But for some reason, whenever Joe Biden becomes president, the media rumor mill gets very constipated. I want to mention this too. So the press secretary for Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, she announced like Sunday or Monday that she had COVID. This was Sunday evening. They announced that she had COVID. And so she was going to be gone, you know, obviously for like at least a week. I'm just saying, I, I don't, I don't doubt that that's true, that she got COVID, but that was a real convenient time when President Poopy Pants is trending on Twitter. That's a real convenient time for your press secretary to get COVID. <laughs> she might have been, she might have been kind of glad that she didn't have to deal with any questions about that on Monday. And I don't know if anyone ever asked questions about any of that, but anyway, um, <laughs> just it worked out very conveniently for her. I'm not saying it wasn't true. I just thought that was kind of a funny coincidence. Okay, seventh news item for today. Again, something that I think should be a major story, but this is not being told to you by the media. Abram X, Abram X. Kendi, he is kind of the modern father of critical race theory. He's he's written this book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. He goes to different businesses, schools, wherever, talking, giving speeches to people about anti-racism and promoting the ideas of critical race theory that basically says all white people are oppressors, all non-white people are victims, victims of white people. So he goes around and talks about the systemic racism idea that America's institutions are so racist that um, it's extra hard for people who are not white to to be successful in this country. He goes around and, and makes millions of dollars selling books, making speeches, supposedly fixing the institutional racism present in a lot of <laughs> places in America. Okay, so this guy sends out a tweet last weekend that totally blows up his whole narrative about race. Self-immolation. Okay, totally destroyed his whole argument. And I'm not exaggerating. Let me read the tweet to you. This is a, just this is just an article he shared. This is an article he shared from... Um, it's from the Hill, but this was this is what Abram Kennedy tweeted. Tweeted. He says more than a third of white students lied about their race on college applications, and about half of these applicants lied about being Native American. More than three fourths of these students who lied about their race were accepted. So he's pointing out this article from the Hill that says a lot of white students are lying and saying that they're a different race other than white, and then being successful and in getting into college. Okay, now. Whether that's whether that's even true from the hill, I mean, I don't know if that's even true or not. But I here's what Kendi did though by sharing this and claiming this. You know, obviously he believes it to be true. Well, if this is true, that lots of non-white students think, oh, I'll be more successful if I say I'm not white when I apply to college, and then these students are um, successful at getting accepted into the college by lying. Okay, if that's true, then that blows up his whole narrative that it's harder for non-white people to be accepted into college. It blows up his whole narrative about institutional raci racism. 
so he tweets this out to complain about white people lying, not realizing that it undermines his entire life's work. And so, of course, when people pointed this out to him, he deleted the tweet. Now, if he didn't, if the, it, then he tried to claim that other people were lying about him and that the people attacking him were racist, all that, you know, he, that's, that's his calling card for everything. But if he stood by what he said originally, why would he delete the tweet? He deleted it because he, re he realized too, it undermines everything that he's ever said. So anyway, why do I, I think this should be a major news story. Why? Because this is an incredibly influential man who gets interviewed by, you know, New York Times, all those places as the expert on race. I mean, this is like a major figure in public life right now, like it or not. And I do not, because I think he's a huge grifter. But he's a major figure in shaping public opinion about issues of race right now. When he totally destroys this whole argument, that is worthy of a news report on these on these mainstream media sources. When he makes a when he makes a blunder that big, but I wouldn't say it's a blunder. I'd say he accidentally told the truth. And Abraham X. Kendi lies so much that if he accidentally tells the truth once in a while, he does have to immediately go delete it, <laughs> delete any record of it from his Twitter. Because that's how much this man would rather just be in the realm of lying all the time. The media should have reported to you about that. That was a major story that they did not tell you about. But that's why you're listening to me, so I can inform you. So that's the seventh and final item from today on how the media lies, not just by what they tell you, but how they lie by what they don't tell you. Now, before I close down later, I, I do want to do a quick behind beyond the headline, and I want to mention this here too. If you want to get in touch with the fake news, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. That's how you can get in touch with us. If you see some fake news, send it our way. If you get it to us first, I'll give you credit for it here on the program. Also, you can stay in touch with us throughout the week by going to at fake news weekly on Twitter. And it's a brand new Twitter handle, so we could use some more followers. Come join us on there. Uh, if you like Bible studies, by the way, we started today's program with a little bit of a Bible study. So if you like Bible studies or if you just, if you really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References. That one has nothing to do with news or current events, but it's what I consider my main podcast. It has new episodes coming out on Mondays. So if you want to join in with that too, go to Cross References on, you know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast, you can also find my other one there. All right, now we're going to go into our Beyond the Headline segment in just a moment. So for Beyond the Headline today, I just want to share this um, this quick news story. I'm not even going to I've talked too much, and I want to do a brief political announcement or analysis later. So I've talked too much already, <laughs> to be honest. I'm not going to drag this one out. I just happened to see this article from CNN, and uh, it says in the headline, 2% of Elon Musk's wealth could help solve world hunger, says director of the United Nations Food Scarcity Organization. Okay, so that's the headline. Now we're going to go beyond the headline, of course, but what are they claiming there in the headline? That Elon Musk, this very wealthy, wealthy, like one of the top richest people in the world, not the richest, but what, I mean, it might be, but he's one of the top for sure. Think he's in the top three and they say that just two percent of his wealth would solve world hunger two percent of his wealth could be calculated out to be six billion dollars by the way so they say that that would help solve world hunger and and then if you read in the um 
the article itself. It's interviewing David Beasley, and he is with the United Nations World Food Program. So this is what David Beasley says. Billionaires need to step up now on a one-time basis. Okay, just one time, we need billionaires to step up. He cites the world's two richest men, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Okay, so Elon Musk must be the second richest man. Then this is what this is what uh, Beasley says. Six billion dollars to help 42 million people that are literally going to die if we don't reach them. It's not complicated. All right. So two percent of Elon Musk's money that would be six billion dollars, and he says that would that would fix world hunger. Well, I mean, I I don't know if I even need to go into the the the, the headline. I don't think I need to go into the story beyond that really. That's pretty ridiculous thus far. <laughs> That's a pretty ridiculous claim. When I hear that $6 billion would solve world hunger, the first thing I think about, think of all the trillions of dollars that America alone has spent in the past year. And they're trying to say that it would only take $6 billion, much, much less than even $1 trillion. $6 billion would, would help solve world hunger, according to the United Nations... World Food Program Director, okay? That's a pretty ridiculous claim just based on how much money we have floating around and how easy it would be to get $6 billion. If that's all it would take, I know that's a lot of money, but if that's all it would take to solve world hunger, that's that's not asking for that much. America would write a check for that. All the other countries could chip in. If they all chipped in a billion, you know, you'd have more than enough money. So what's going on here? Why are they targeting the billionaires out there in the world and saying they're the ones who need to foot this bill? That would actually be pretty... Compared to regular government spending, that's a pretty small bill. So why are they saying the billionaires need to do this? Well, for one thing, this is kind of the whole democratic socialist agenda right here to vilify all the billionaires out there and, and try to say, you know, they take too much money and they're not sharing the wealth. The one percenters are evil and keeping all their money from the rest of us. So, I mean, they, they, that's definitely a part of this that's playing into this. But also, that's such a ridiculous claim just right there on its face. Do you really think $6 billion is all that we need to solve world hunger? I mean, is that is that really all it would take? That is such a... <laughs> that just seems so... That seems so ridiculous to me. And I don't know very much about economics. I'm not like some expert on finances. And even I know that that's a ridiculous claim to make. So here's my question. Why is why is CNN just reporting what this guy says as if it's true? Why are they not like doing some fact checking on that? Why aren't they asking the guy? Okay, well wait a minute. You say that's all the money you need. Well, can you show us how that would all, you know, how would that would all shake out? Where would that money go? How that would really be all you need? You know that. Why aren't they asking some inquisitive questions about that? They're not doing that. CNN business is just running that in the headline. As if it's just a um, obvious fact. They do cite that it's the director of the UN Food Scarcity Organization. They say that it that that fact comes from him, but they're not verifying that fact, which is obviously not true. They're not doing anything to verify that before reporting it. They're just reporting it. They know most people are just going to read the headline. Oh, that stupid Elon Musk just won't. He's just greedy and selfish and won't solve world hunger. You know, they're just they're just trying to make him look bad. They're trying to take a swipe at him because that goes with their democratic socialist agenda. And then also it's just shoddy reporting. You know, that's just a ridiculous claim to make in the first place. So I appreciate that Elon Musk, I'm not some big defender of him. I don't really care anything about, like, I don't have any opinion on Elon Musk. But Elon Musk, I appreciate this from him, that he called their bluff. <laughs> 
<laughs> he says, okay. This is what he put on Twitter in reply. If the WFP can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how $6 billion would solve world hunger, I'll sell Tesla stock right now and do it. So he just says, hey, if you show me how that would do it, if you show me how that would solve world hunger, let's go for it. Let's do it. But anyway, he called their bluff. And of course, they didn't reply. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that he called them out on that. They're just trying to make these ridiculous claims, maybe to get money out of people. I don't know. Say, hey, send us some money. We only need $6 billion. Elon Musk won't help us out. Jeff Bezos won't help us out. I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, he called him out on it. And my only point with all that is CNN shouldn't have just ran this guy on his word. They shouldn't have just ran him in the first place. CNN business should just do a little bit, just a modicum of reporting to verify whether that fact is actually true before they just repeat it. But anyway, all they are, they're just parrots for globalist agenda, parrots for whatever the United Nations says. They're not going to question it. They're just going to report it so they can try to deceive everyone into thinking that that just must be how things are. Okay. Like I said, I want to do a little political analysis before we go today of the Tuesday election that there was this week. If you don't like Democrats, this was a good week for you because this was a bad week for Democrats. It's a great week if you like Republicans and if you hate fake news, but this was a bad week for Democrats. Best week I've had all year long. Bad, bad week for Democrats. Let me give you 10 reasons why this was such a disastrous week for Democrats. Just in the past seven days, just since the last time I talked to you, 10 reasons why this was a terrible week for Democrats, okay? Number one, the white supremacy hoax that they got caught in at the Glenn Youngkin campaign stop. Number two, Let's Go Brandon really blew up. Last weekend, there was article after article about how Republicans are so vulgar. <laughs> oh, it just makes me... I, I, I can't even finish the sentence. How they're so vulgar for the way they keep wanting to chant Let's Go Brandon at different sports games, NASCAR races, political rallies. Oh, my goodness. Um, Ron DeSantis referred to the Biden administration this week as the Brandon administration. <laughs> the, the crowd kind of went nuts. Or the, the room went nuts about that as well. That really blew up last weekend. Democrats were trying to claim that they were so classy that they would never say anything like that about Donald Trump. I remember literally a year ago when Donald Trump was actually the president and there was a lot of to, to rooms of cheers to, to the complete adulation of crowds. Democrats, celebrities saying, I'm not even going to say it, but blank Donald Trump, you know, using the F word, not obscuring it behind an innocent phrase, like let's go Brandon, but they were just outright saying the words. Celebrities reenacting Trump being murdered, like Snoop Dogg. There was a play of actors doing that in New York, murdering Trump out on the streets of New York. There was a celebrity, Kathy Griffin, I think, held up a fake severed head of Donald Trump back whenever he was president. There have been lots and lots of people who were very disrespectful of Donald Trump as president of the United States. So I'm not going to pretend that Let's Go Brandon is some unprecedented ground in, in the downfall of America. This is actually kind of a much tamer thing than what Republicans have seen for the past four years. But last weekend, the reason number two, they've had a bad week. Last weekend, they just kind of came to a breaking point over the Let's Go Brandon thing. They couldn't take it anymore. And they couldn't they couldn't stand to see Republicans having so much fun with that phrase. So there's all these, all these think pieces about how this is just indicative of such a corrupt society and classless Demo Republicans for chanting, let's go Brandon everywhere. 
that was just that was thing that's just number two reason number three that this was a bad week for democrats they got caught flaunting their mask restrictions again number four president poopy pants trending on twitter number five People are not dying in Florida. That's actually what's a bad week for Democrats is when people are not dying in Florida. That They consider that a bad week for them. Number six, their second white supremacy hoax with the Confederate flag jacket guy. Number seven, Abram X. Kennedy self-destructing. Number eight, Elon Musk embarrassed the UN. Number nine, losing Virginia on Tuesday. And then number 10, the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. That, that, that's not necessarily anti-democrat except that it's just kind of it's almost like a cosmic justice kind of thing that at the at the start of the baseball season georgia passed some laws to make voting safer to make voting more secure and the democrats don't like it when voting gets more secure so they blew up about it and they were like we need to boycott georgia and the the major league baseball commissioner like moved some some game, some bowl out of out of uh, Georgia and tried to make Georgia lose money. Anyway, they were doing that at the start of the baseball season. So by the end of the baseball season, at the very end, the Atlanta Braves win the World Series. <laughs> and so it's just kind of a slap in the face to the Democrats who went anti-Georgia this year. This has just been a really, really bad week for Democrats. And so here's some things that I want to point out that we learned from this past week, especially with the win in Virginia. Okay, number one, Republicans can win on social issues. Okay, on fighting for the culture. Um, the, one of the major things that was going on this year, and especially over there in Virginia, is school boards being dictatorial and authoritarian over how they control what children are taught in schools and what information they're going to share to parents about what's being taught in schools. Parents have been getting mad about some of these things and going to school board meetings and raising a little bit of uh, attention to some of that stuff. And so Glenn Youngkin stood up for the parents, the parents' rights, and said, we're going to get some of this junk like critical race theory and the radical transgender ideology. We're going to get that out of the schools. Um, we'll talk some more on that in a few minutes. But that's fighting for the culture, and that's fighting for um, a really just a very local and personal issue for a lot of people, especially people with kids, is what's going on in the education system. Republicans can win on that when they focus on those issues. Not focusing on a lot of things. I mean, I think they do great on the economy. Trump had a great economy. But you know what? That's not always what resonates with people. Biden won. He had crap ideas about the economy. Right now we have a crap economy. And Biden is doing everything he said he was going to do. So people obviously do not resonate to the economy message like they do to the social issue message. Trump didn't lose last year because of his policies. He lost because of his personality. That's what caused him to lose last year. And he had lots of chances to fix that. And he chose not to. He, he kept wanting to be himself. He kept wanting to be Trump. If he had just ran on his policies and changed some of the personality flaws and reined in some of his bad behavior, I think he'd still be president right now. He really lost, Trump, talking about last year, Trump really lost with white women. But what we saw in Virginia this week is a lot of white women swinging over to vote for the Republican there, Youngkin. Trump didn't get those voters. Youngkin did. Okay, Trump was the problem last year. Now, he, he was treated unfairly in a lot of ways, and I'll, I'll mention that. He was treated unfairly in a lot of ways while he was president. But he also brought a lot of the scorn on himself, 
and didn't make things better for himself by the way he handled it. And I think that's ultimately why he did not win last year. Okay, here's another thing I want to say about the election this week. The Democrats' agenda is obviously not popular with the mainstream. People like Terry McAuliffe, they want to get up and they want to talk about climate change. They want to call everything racist. They say that parents shouldn't have a voice in their children's education. They want to push this critical race theory, which they say that they're not putting it in schools. But then if you say you don't want it in schools, they say, well, what's wrong with you that you don't want it in schools? But it's not in schools anyway. But if it was, it would be okay. But children aren't learning this stuff. But, they, but they're not going to let you ban it from the schools. Well, all that stuff imploded on Tuesday night. The Democrat agenda is just not resonating with the mainstream, and that's a good thing. I mean, they have anti-fascists who are actually just fascists. They teach anti-racism, which is actually just racism. They say that we have too many white teachers. They want to put masks on school kids every day, even though their parents aren't having to wear masks at a lot of their jobs. They're pushing vaccine mandates. Right now we have the economy disaster with supply chains held up, inflation, border crisis, all this stuff not going well for Democrats right now. Here's something that I really appreciate from the Tuesday race. It showed that Obama and Trump are both irrelevant. Obama went to Virginia. Actually, I think he lives in Virginia. But I mean, he went out and campaigned there in Virginia. He, Obama, could not get a Democrat elected in Virginia, which is normally a left-wing state that Biden won by 10 points last year. Obama couldn't get a Democrat elected there this year. Think of how embarrassed he is this week. And then over on Youngkin's side, okay, Youngkin ran as the Republican, but he ran without using Trump. He didn't talk about Trump. I mean, the Democrats wanted to talk about Trump a bunch. It's almost as if they imagined he was still sitting in the White House. I mean, Joe Biden came to do a speech about why Youngkin was a bad idea, and he mentioned Trump like 24 times in less than 30 minutes. Trump this, Trump that. They think they're still running against Trump. But Youngkin ran without Trump. He didn't really talk about him. Trump wasn't on the ticket. Voters knew that. Trump's kind of irrelevant right now. Obama's pretty irrelevant right now. I think that's good. It shows Virginia, and I think America as a whole, is looking forward. We don't need to keep repeating the past. Okay, speaking of Trump, I just want to mention this again. Republic Republicans can win without being Trump, okay? I, I, I say this because I just see some Republicans act like, Trump's supposed to be the savior of America. And I know he was mistreated a lot. And I know he did a lot of good things while he was in office. And I'll say this, I voted for him last year. I mean, I'll just, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. I'm not going to hide like my agenda here. I voted for him last year. I was happy to do so. I thought he, did a, he had a lot of great policies. I had a lot of problems with his personality issues and the way he talked. And I, I don't think he was very articulate. I didn't vote for him in 2016. I, I just stepped out of that election. I didn't vote for either candidate in that election. But I voted for Trump last year, so I, I mostly agreed with his policies and all that. But I see a lot of people treating him on the Republican side like he's some savior today. That, uh, that he's the only one who could do those good policies. That's just not true. Other people can do what he does. Fight with the media? Ron DeSantis can do that. I'm not just saying we, we have to all vote for Ron DeSantis. I'm just saying there's other Republicans that can do that kind of thing. Um, implement Republican policy? Okay, yeah. Look at what Ted Cruz does. Look at what the bills that he introduces into Congress do. Trump's not the only Republican who can actually be conservative. 
what Republicans have to stop doing is electing these weenies to run. Weenies like George Bush. Weenies like Mitt Romney, who I also didn't bother to go vote for. You know what? Just stop putting weenies up there against the Democrats. Put actual tough candidates. And don't try to make Trump be the guy again. Get some other guys who actually can be articulate about conservative policy, who will actually implement conservative policy. And there's lots of them out there who will do that. Okay? Pick one who will fight against the media. I'm for all that. It doesn't have to be Trump. Look at what Youngkin did. Look what he did in Virginia and what Trump did there last year. Republicans can win. We don't need Trump to do it. I want to make one last comment about the Virginia race. I just want to give kudos to Daily Wire. That's the news organization started by Jeremy Boring and Ben Shapiro. Uh, They're operating out of Nashville right now. And I became a Daily Wire subscriber. I had done it years ago and my membership had like lapsed. But I re-upped with them last year at the November election, which means my renewal actually, um, it renewed this past week. But I signed up with Daily Wire last year on election night of 2020. And here's what they announced that they were going to start doing on that night. They said they were going to hire some investigative reporters and start reporting more of their own original stories, going out and finding things that the mainstream media won't report on, but they're going to cover those things themselves. I'm like, great, that is exactly what I want to see you guys doing. You know, there's a lot of stories out there, as we've been saying today. The media lies not just by what they tell you, but by what they don't tell you. And Daily Wire was going to fix some of that. And they said, we're going to tell you some of the stories that the mainstream media is not telling you. And you want to know what they did? They went to Virginia. They went to Loudoun County. They found out where a school district, the school board, was hiding information from the public about a boy in a dress who had raped a girl in in one of the transgender bathrooms. They obscured that information from the public because the school board was trying to implement a transgender policy in the schools. They were trying to get transgender bathrooms in all the schools, but they hid the fact, and this came up in the school board meeting, they hid the fact that there was a boy in a skirt who identifies as, you know, gender gender non-binary, something like that. There's a boy who had raped a girl. And when people asked at the school board meeting if anything like that had happened, they denied that it had ever happened. Then a, the parent of that girl got very upset at the school board meeting. And he started to make a make a ruckus because he, he was mad at them for lying. And the security carted him out. Media took his picture. And they labeled him one of the domestic terrorists that the Biden administration was trying to get the FBI to investigate. They took an apparent angry because he'd been raped in this in the in the school bathroom. The school board was covering it up. And the media doesn't report on all that, but they use him as the face of domestic terrorism. The media lies <laughs> all the time, literally every day, like I say in the opening of this show. Daily Wire exposed that. And so I want to give kudos to them. They I think are part of the reason that Glenn Youngkin and other Republicans got elected over there in Virginia this year. Not only that, Matt Walsh, one of their uh, one of their employees who has the Matt Walsh Show, it's a podcast, really great show. Uh, he went over and made kind of a scene at one of the school board meetings too. Held a rally, spoke at the school board meeting, and that was a, that was kind of a fun thing that they, that he did over there as well. When he decided he wanted to hold a rally to br- draw some attention to these issues. The Virginia School Board over in Loudoun County changed their rules. They said that you're not allowed to speak at the school board meetings unless you're actually a resident of Loudoun County. They were trying to do that so that Matt Walsh couldn't come 
and shine any light on what they were up to over there. So he actually leased someone's basement for a short time to become a legal Loudoun County resident so that he was allowed to go and speak at this school board meeting. And so I really appreciate that he used his platform. Some would call it trolling, okay. But he used his platform to bring attention to a really important issue, fought back against what the school board was trying to do over there. And as we saw this past week, all of that paid off. So I really appreciate Daily Wire and Matt Walsh and the great job they're doing over there with their investigative reporting. And I'm really glad that I signed up with them to help support what they're doing last year. So I think that'll do it for today's program. Extra long today, but so much stuff happened this week. I just couldn't wait to get on here and talk to you all about it. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been Luke Taylor with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. And just remember, if you hear that Matt Walsh is not a resident of Virginia, that's just fake news. <laughs> <laughs>